Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Have you noticed in these tough economic times that the automobile industry is desperate to sell cars? GM is offering the 2009 Cadillac Escalade for 0% APR for five years. Others are offering 0% APR for five years and cash back. Hyundai says, purchase a car from us, and if you lose your income within this next year, you may return the car with no penalties. Saturn has now gone one better. They promise that if you lose your income, you may keep your car and they'll make the payments for you for a year. An even more interesting ad came earlier in the year from England, which declared, buy one car, get two free. Now, I have heard of those kinds of sales on ice cream or potato chips, but never on cars. In addition to financial incentives, automobile ads have always tried selling us cars in a variety of ways. A recent Toyota ad proclaims, Finally, a car that revolves around you because you're more than one thing. GM's new slogan tells us that they are reinventing the ownership experience. So now, if you own and drive a GM vehicle, whatever life brings you, you can approach it with total confidence. That's quite a promise for a car manufacturer, particularly for one that's on the brink of bankruptcy. Watching all these current ads brought to mind an automobile ad that I saw several years ago in Time magazine. The ad features a picture of an enticing, sleek, white Jaguar with this caption, Uncommon, Uncompromising. In another ad for Jaguar, they declare, To a world filled with compromise, we make no contribution. But the Jaguar ad that speaks most deeply to me simply states, There comes a time in every person's life to have done with compromise. The meaning is clear. It is time to stop settling for a Ford, a Chevy, a Buick, a Cadillac, or even a Lexus. It's time for the real thing, a Jaguar. Now, whatever you may think about this ad, you have to admit the slogan has a ring of truth to it. There comes a time in our lives to have done with compromise. There's something of this idea to have done with compromise in Jesus' warning to the church at Laodicea. Hear again what Jesus says in Revelation 3, 14 through 22. 
To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. To them who overcome, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Laodicea is one of the wealthiest cities in Asia Minor. It's a center for finance. It's a center for medicine where a special ointment is famous for curing eye defects. They are also known for their production of a fine-quality, glossy black wool. But interestingly enough, with all of their riches and wealth, they have poor water. Their water supply comes from the hot medicinal waters of Hierapolis and the icy cold waters of Colossae. When these two water supplies meet, they produce lukewarm, nauseating water that is not fit to drink. When you are truly thirsty, is there anything as unsatisfying as lukewarm, tepid water? Some things we like hot, and some things we like cold. There's not much we like lukewarm. How about a bowl of lukewarm soup, or a cup of lukewarm coffee, or a lukewarm Coke? Isn't it interesting that when Jesus describes the Laodiceans' willingness to compromise as individuals and as a church, he calls them lukewarm. It is not a compliment. They are lukewarm because they are people of compromise. They stand for nothing, living self-serving, self-centered lives. Now, there are times when compromise is important and necessary. Sometimes we compromise about insignificant decisions in life, like what movie to watch, what game to play, what restaurant to go to. And sometimes we compromise about more important life decisions, like where we will live, the type of house to buy, what job to take. There are even compromises we make in the church, because some things don't make all that much difference. It doesn't really matter what type of church government we have. It doesn't really matter whether we say trespasses or debts when we pray the Lord's Prayer. 
It doesn't really matter whether we take communion, sitting, standing, or kneeling. Now, we may have a preference, but in God's eyes, some of these things don't really matter. But there can be no compromise when it comes to our relationship with Christ. He has to be Lord. But in spite of this truth, more often than not, the compromises that we face and struggle with each day are the ones that deal with the Lordship of Christ in our lives. These compromises are the ones where we are most liable to the danger of undermining the most significant things in life and faith. We are liable to danger because compromise is surrender, giving in, conceding when we ought to stand firm. We let people, circumstances, situations, the world push us into things we know we shouldn't. Compromise can lead us to poor decisions, even regrettable decisions, with painful consequences. It will be a long time before any of us forget the horrific scene in Clarence Center a few months ago when Colgan Air Flight 3407 went down. The pain is still so near to those who are grieving, especially as the federal hearings are searching for answers to why this tragedy happened. The wounds are fresh and probably even deeper as circumstances are coming to light. People, particularly the families, are devastated and angry to learn that the pilot of Flight 3407 failed three federal pilot proficiency tests. The hearings have uncovered that Colgan never that Colgan Air never double-checked with federal officials to see if the pilot's application, which listed only one failed test, was correct. Further revelations show that the pilot not only had a blemished testing record, but he also had limited experience and questionable training. Seeing the images and reading the heartbreaking stories of this recent disaster brought to my mind a tragic and haunting story I heard more than 27 years ago. While I was in seminary, the pastor of the church I attended told about a man whose life dream was to be an airline pilot, but he kept failing his flight exam Not by a lot, but by enough that three times he took the test and three times he fell short. He pleaded with the examiners to pass him. He kept badgering them and asking them and petitioning them until finally, the fourth time, even though he fell short once again, they gave in and passed him. After all, they reasoned, He's not that bad. In fact, he's pretty close to being good enough. So they gave him his license. And on his first flight, he had trouble. Things went terribly wrong. The plane went down. There were no survivors.
compromise is dangerous. We know it's true. So why do we live lives of compromise? Is it our desire to succeed? Does it come from our need of self-preservation? Do we compromise because of peer pressure or out of our longing for love and acceptance? Alex Rodriguez has admitted to taking steroids. He now says that he regrets it. And when asked why he took them, he admitted that he felt pressure to perform at a higher level once he signed the $250 million contract with the Texas Rangers. In some form, real or perceived, he felt pressure from his new teammates, the Rangers' management, and the Rangers' fans. His need to impress caused him to compromise his career, his team, and his legacy. But our yearnings for success and acceptance are not the only reasons we compromise. Could fear be another factor that tempts us to compromise? Fear that we will not get what we want or get to do what we want? Or do we compromise because, like the Laodiceans, we too struggle with self-centeredness? Could it be that our priorities are mixed up in this current culture that bombards us with half-truths and lies, this belief that we are most important and what we want is most important? Doing what makes us feel good and makes us happy is foremost and central. These cultural messages, subtly or not so subtly, creep into our thoughts, our lives, our belief systems, making it easier for us to risk and rationalize compromise. The great missionary E. Stanley Jones said, If we haven't that within us, which is above us, we will soon yield to that which is around us. It is this yielding to that which is around us that is so dangerous and costly. But perhaps there is no more dangerous and costly compromise than spiritual compromise, that inner tug of war as we attempt to live for Christ and for self. We are torn as we fluctuate back and forth with a divided allegiance, a half-hearted commitment. We make spiritual compromises when we fail to keep Christ at the center of our lives, when we spend little time with him in his word or in prayer. We have asked Christ to become our Savior and Lord, but we forget about him. We exclude him from the decisions in our lives. We act as though he isn't really all that important, unless something happens and we need to be rescued. Because we can't compartmentalize our lives, we make spiritual compromises with some of our choices about our relationships, our families, our work. We make compromises in how we spend our free time and what we decide to read or watch or view on the Internet. We make compromises in our attitudes and thoughts and words about and to others. Spiritual compromise is so dangerous because it sneaks up on us. 
It's slippery. It's elusive. Compromise starts with something small, a seemingly minor decision where we probably tell ourselves, just this once won't hurt. But then it moves beyond that until we realize that we are in over our heads and we don't know how to turn things around on our own. In the popular TV show 24, Jack Bauer, the character portrayed by Kiefer Sutherland, is a federal agent trying to save the U.S. from terrorists. In the first episode of the first season, it's revealed that earlier, Jack had turned in other federal agents for bribery, and some of his own colleagues, including his boss, have turned against him. After an explosive confrontation with his boss, Jack bristles with intensity as he explains his actions to his closest partner. He says, You can look the other way once, and it's no big deal, except it makes it easier for you to compromise the next time. And pretty soon, that's all you're doing, compromising because that's the way you think things are done. You know those guys I blew the whistle on? You think they were the bad guys? They weren't the bad guys. They were just like you and me, except they compromised once. And that's the risk of compromise at all. It leads us to dangerous places. Is it any wonder that Jesus is so concerned about the Laodiceans compromising lukewarm condition? In fact, he's so concerned, he tells them that if it doesn't change, he's going to spit spew, vomit them out of his mouth. Jesus emphatically warns them about this because they can't see their own shameful condition. Their compromising behavior has blinded them to the truth. Everything is backwards to them. So as Jesus addresses their sin, he strikes at the very things they believe make them self-sufficient and great. They believe that they are w- very rich because their view of wealth and security is from an earthly perspective. But Jesus says they are poor because they have made great sacrifices for things that have no lasting value and ultimately provide very little fulfillment. The people who live in the city famous for the miraculous eye ointment are spiritually blind as they fail to understand what is truly important in life. The people who produce the famous glossy black wool are naked. In their lukewarm, compromising lives, they give up the power and presence of Christ and his Holy Spirit for the weak and temporal things of this world. So what's the answer? Like all struggles in life, our first answer is always in Christ. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. 
repent, and then buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy your medicine for your eyes from me, so you can see, really see. What's he saying? Stop placing your hope and security in yourselves and in things that will disappear and leave you hopeless and insecure. Turn to me and let me fill you with all the riches and blessings of my kingdom. But that's not all. Jesus isn't just telling them what to do. Because he loves them, he he wants what's best for them, He pursues them, offering grace and hope. In verse 20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them, and they with me. The purpose of a door is to keep people out. It's a barrier. I wonder... If Jesus uses this picture of a door because the Laodiceans' compromising behavior has closed him out of their lives, but he desperately wants to enter their lives. So Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. He knocks on the doors that we close, too. He wants to transform us filling us with his Holy Spirit, giving us peace and joy, and leading us to his highest plans for our lives. But like the Laodiceans, we have to open the door in obedience and trust. In our almost 25 years of marriage, Wes and I have managed to get lost on many, many trips So I can relate to the story that John Ortberg tells of traveling in an unfamiliar place. Standing at the car rental counter, the agent said to John and his wife, Along with this car, if you want, you can get a GPS system. You simply plug it in and punch in your destination. A woman's voice will tell you how to get wherever it is you are going. Ortberg's immediate response was, "Mm, no, that will cost something. I don't need that. I, I think I can find where I'm going by myself. Do you want to guess what his wife said? She said, get the GPS. So they got the GPS. He says, they're driving along, and the woman's voice on the GPS is telling them where to go, where to turn. But he says, there's another dynamic to a GPS. If you don't like what it's telling you, if you disagree with it, you don't have to follow it. The woman's voice in the GPS system said to go left, but he didn't go left. He went right because he was certain she was wrong. Then, 
As an interesting response, she said, recalculating, as soon as safe to do so, execute a U-turn. He says, I knew she was wrong, so I unplugged her. That's the beauty of a little GPS box. You can unplug it. Of course, they got terribly lost. So they plugged the GPS back in. And you know what she said? I told you so, you little idiot. You, you think I'm going to help you now? You rejected me. You just find your way home by yourself. No, she didn't say that. Rather, she said, recalculating when safe to do so, execute a U-turn. Now that's grace. As soon as we're ready to listen, as soon as we're ready to surrender, Jesus says, here's the way home. Execute a U-turn. That's repentance. Jesus says, I'll bring you home. That's love. And that is what Jesus is saying to the Laodiceans, to you and to me. As soon as we open the door, he comes in and begins cleansing and redirecting our passions so we can overcome in this life, living more abundantly in the power of his Holy Spirit here and now. So no matter the compromises you've made, Christ is knocking in grace, mercy, and love to forgive and heal and bless if you'll open the door. May we have done with compromise in our lives today. Father, we thank you for your word that so clearly speaks to our lives. Forgive us for the compromises we've made. Help us to open the doors we have closed so you can come in and fill us with your Holy Spirit so our lives are overflowing with your grace, power, and love. This we pray in your name. Amen.